what's up? This is Patrick at Radicards.com, and today I would like to talk to you about price guides and end prices. Okay, now a lot of us that grew up collecting before the age of the internet were, you know, subscribers or buyers of some, or advocates, if you will, of some price guide for sports cards. Uh, Beckett Monthly came out in the 80s, and uh, I was exposed to it in the late 80s, and then I was started subscribing to Beckett in 1992, and ended my subscription in 1998, uh, when I left the hobby for a time. And it became my source of uh, information. I would bring it with me wherever I w- was, uh, the dinner table, underneath the Christmas tree, um, at night before I go to sleep. Uh, just on on travel, I'd bring it with me on a plane, even in a car. I mean, I'd bring it everywhere, and I would memorize the prices, who was popular and the up and down arrows for cards. I mean, this book became an extension of how I collected as a young collector in my youth. Other price guides would come and go. Baseball card magazine. Um, tough Stuff was a, a pretty good player in the market for a time. And then there were some other ones. Other fringe ones from some uh, Broder-type magazine releases. Legends Memorabilia, I think, was one of them. There were just a couple different fringe ones from the early 90s. But the point is, is there was a place to find, well, at least for an entire month anyway, uh, values for cards. It wasn't in real time because, you know, it was pre-internet days, so... Yeah, and you know it was it was harder to find what it really there wasn't any place to go for people to find uh, end prices right now for stuff that's valued right now. So I would go to Beckett and I would look at for that entire month what stuff was worth, and that gave me an idea of market value in my early years, and I really liked that. And so something was worth a dollar in the book. I knew that my card was worth a dollar, that particular card, at least for that particular month. So I could sell it for a buck. I say, this card's worth a dollar, right? If you want it, you got to pay me a buck. Of course, I'd always want a profit, but you know, I want to gouge the market when they know exactly how much it's worth because they have the price guide as well. So I'd know out of the gate that my card was worth a buck. Fast forward to eBay, coming out in 1995, going mainstream in 1998. And just becoming finally woven into the hobby of sports card collecting. I myself purchase much more online than I do at shops and shows because there are just a lot less of them now. So when I look for pricing, real-time pricing, I would go to eBay completed sold listings. I still do that now. That's the way I find what something's worth. 
you know, when I look for averages, an average last the last week, something's selling between $63 and $89. So I can, you know, say it's 75 bucks is a good average for the middle ground there. So I can tell you, say, okay, well, card's actually worth about 75 bucks. Someone might say, well, the book price on it's 200. I was like, I, I get it, but now at this point, book price is now perceived value. It's not actual value. Book price is actually just a reference at this point. It's not a Bible anymore, like it once was pre-internet days. So the negotiation for that particular card is going to be $75, not 200 Okay. So it's actually a more accurate, just uh, um, more accurate gauge of actual market value is looking at eBay completed solds because comps are happening by the second online. So it's easy to to figure out what's what's happening right now to gauge the pulse of the market on a particular sports card. Now let's talk for a moment about negotiating. Okay. This is kind of this this conversation is, you know, the, the the book value to online comp sales value has changed the landscape of how we negotiate with sellers. Now, back in the day when Beckett Media, Beckett Price Guides were was the leading um, source for pricing information. You know, I could I could look at a card and be like, okay, that card, what's it worth? Okay, it's worth a dollar. How much you want for it? Eh, I'll take a buck. Like okay, I have to pay book price for it, but because there's a there's a value that's listed that says this is a buck. Would you take seventy five cents? Uh, yeah, I guess you know. So now I've underbid the value of the car by tw- a quarter. I'm able to save money. So okay, fine. That guy gets to move the card to me for seventy five cents. Now I know this is a small margin number, but I'm also thinking of purchases I made when I was a kid and the amount of money I had. So I'm actually looking at it from a time when Beckett Media or Beckett. Uh, monthly was the source and how it um, influenced my negotiation power with dealers, sellers at shows. And at the time, because I had such minimal discretionary income, my purchases were in the multiples of quarters to a couple bucks, right? And I was happy to buy whatever I was buying. But whatever the case is, what I'm talking about is I'll always want to get a deal, I always want to feel like I got a deal. Like, it's worth a buck. I got it for 75 cents. How cool is that? Okay, fine. So the card is actually worth 75 cents now. It's not worth a dollar. Okay? So that dollar price guide is actually just a reference point. All right, what's a book for, a buck? Uh, give me 50 cents or give me a quarter or give me 75 cents or whatever the case. Whatever you give them, if it's less than book value, what you give them is actual market value for that particular card. Okay? So... Now let's consider this with online buying, like online referencing. We have now access to eBay completed sold listings. Let's go back to that card that was, say, booked for a 200 and is $75, like average market value, because we're looking at market sales in last week for between $63 and $89. So we're going to look at a market average for those two sales at $75. Okay? So <clears throat> if someone has that card at a booth, and then you want to buy it, and you, you look at eBay completed solds, and they look at eBay completed solds now too, instead of book value, they're going to see that same information. 
And you might say, well, I'll give you 75 bucks for it because that's where it's averaging. Negotiation will start in that conversation, in that, at that sentence, in that, that statement. Okay. Now, the seller will decide from there at what price would make sense to them. Now, if 75 bucks is 20% more than what they paid for the card, they'll make a 20% return at $75. So it'd be to their advantage to sell it to me for $75. Now, if they overpaid for that card and they, they bought it from somebody else who was going off of book value, then they're gonna, they're, they're not, that, that offer will be unacceptable because they won't get their money back. In fact, they'd be at a loss. They'd have to just hang on to that card and accept that sunk loss. Okay? So, if Beckett then started producing prices exactly accurate or as as close to accurate as possible for eBay completed sole listings, so let's say that card is now listed in Beckett at $75, okay? Beckett being the perceived value source now, not actual value source, people are always going to pay less than book value. I mean, that's always the case. Like listed at book, everybody wants to pay less than book. So you're actually going to be pay- pay- paying less than market value. Let's say you offered 50 for that card because it's listed at 75. Would you take 50? It's like, uh, okay. So now you've paid less than book value, which discounts the, the price of the actual market value of that particular card by a percentage. All right. So you paid 50. Now there's a record sale of that card being sold for 50. Granted, it's not online, so other people can't reference it. It's just in, you know, it's in person. But if we looked at Beckett prices now as the prices that we go off of, and if Beckett starts mimicking the end eBay sold listings prices, I think it would actually hurt the market more than help. Because everybody wants to pay less than book value. So if book value is always reflected of what stuff's being sold for online then people are always going to be paying less, negotiating down uh, from what stuff is currently going for. If it's going for this number, I want to pay you a little bit less than that number. So then Beckett lowers the price, the value to that number, and then people want to pay less than that number for their card. So it just keeps going down and devalues cards. So I think it's in Beckett's best interest to stay right where they are, just what they're doing, because, well, it's not, they're not listing actual market values for most things in the book. The perceived value reference becomes at least an idea of where to start a negotiation. If you see a pop in a listing amongst all the other listings in a set, let's say you see like a bunch of 2 and $3 cards in a set and you see one that's like 80 you'd be like, that. obviously we know that that $80 card is the card to have in the set. Am I going to charge you 80 No, but I might charge you 50 because I know that's the card to get. Now, we can go on eBay, completed sold listings, and see what they're selling for. That would prompt that action. He's like, okay, they're closing between 43 and 60. All right. So 50 is kind of a fair deal. So the Beckett piece of it is important because you can at least see, you might not see actual market values in the listings, but you would see at least where interest is being put towards certain cards. And that's where I think the value is with Beckett listings. That's why I think it's important 
for Beckett to continue pricing um, sports cards. Not because I'm going off of them as a strict firm, this is the price of the card price guide, but because it gives me an idea of what's hot right now. But again, we're looking at conversation starters, okay? We're not looking at this as like, this is what it's worth. We're looking at it as like, okay, so there must be interest around this card because it is highlighted in the set as an expensive one amongst the other cards in the set. So while I don't subscribe to Beckett monthly anymore, I haven't in many years, nearly 20 in fact at the time of this recording, I do appreciate picking up the book and paging through it and looking at prices, even if they haven't been updated in a while. You know, I'm not going to pay 60 to 80 bucks for a raw copy of a you know, pretty clean example of a 1980 Topps Ricky Henderson rookie. Okay, actually, you know, I take that back. I have paid a <laughs> pretty solid chunk of change for what might be a nine. Um, I once paid $100 for a raw copy that looks like it might come back a nine. And so if that comes back a nine, then I have a card that's worth quite a bit more than I paid for it. So I get that fine. That's just a rare instance, though. You know, usually when I run across classic rookie cards, they're they're in the, like, four to six category, not the nine category. So I'm getting them for bargains. Prices between, like, yeah, I've gotten the Henderson rookie for like 10 bucks. So if I go to the back and it's listed at, like, 60 to 80 and I get it for 10 Obviously, now we're considering things like conditions, centering, surface, corners, that kind of thing. So that'll factor into the negotiation as well. And the smart sellers will look at this stuff and consider it as the influencers of price. I was at the National this year, 2017, and I was buying a couple of the uh, 79 Tops Ozzy Smith rookie cards. And... One guy, they're always OC. I mean, that's just, that's just what plagues that particular card. So centered examples are of huge premiums. But, I don't know, whatever. I mean, I, I, get, I get the raw copies. I'm happy with them. I just love that card. It's one of my favorite rookie cards. But uh, 79 Tops, Ozzy Smith. One of the examples I found was at a guy's booth, and he had it. And he, 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 it was way off, way off centered. And just horrible. I mean, the... <laughs> The black in-frame was actually almost touching the border of the card. It was that bad. It was like 95.5. <laughs> Pretty common for that example, though, that card. So anyway, I flip it over. On the back, it says 75 bucks. And I'm like, you know, this, this is not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Not for me, not for anybody. 75 bucks. I can get a pretty okay graded example for, for less than that. I won't get an 8 or a 9, obviously, but I, I might get a... I don't know, like a six, which I'd rather have than a raw, horribly centered example. So I was like, I was like, is this the price you're looking? He he was on his he's on his phone. Nice guy, by the way. I'm not gonna dog on the guy, but he leans over to me and kind of like in a soft voice, he says, "Give me 50 for it." I'm like, I just hand it right back to him. I was like, unfortunately, you know, I'm getting these all day long for anywhere from five to ten, depending on the condition. This one looks more like a $10 example. I was like, I could do 10. And you know, he, he at first he was kind of put off by it, but I got to talking to him. I was like, look, I know that's like 
not what you were expecting, but you got to remember the centering on this card is a real problem consistently. And, you know, the edges are okay. The corners aren't perfect, but I've been getting these, you know, this week for around 10 bucks each in this condition. I'm happy to give you 10 for it if you'd take it. It's obviously not a mint condition example. <clears throat> I got to talking to him, got to get to know him a little bit. And after a couple minutes of talking to him about what he's been up to, what he does, how the show's been going. He says, you know, if you want it for 10, you can have it for 10. I was like, perfect. So while I was talking, my ulterior motive wasn't, in fact, to try to get it from him for 10. I just ultimately just wanted, I just, that's all I was willing to pay for. And I just was getting to know him because I was excited just to be at the show. So building that rapport helped in my favor. But he was actually a pretty nice guy. But anyway, that aside is that condition goes into the actual price of the card. And, you know, Beckett states this up front. They always have. So I get that. So those of us that use Beckett monthly or any Beckett publication, um, it can be highly helpful for starting a negotiation with, with something. So can, well, mint condition copies, let's say, for the 79 tops. Ozzy Smith might fetch 80, like maybe more, depending on how well this thing could grade. But lesser condition examples, let's pull up eBay completed sold listings and see where they are. Oh, they're selling between, you know, 7 and 12 bucks. So 10 bucks is fair for this card. All right? So, again, I just think it's important to know that if Beckett started publishing prices that mimicked eBay completed sold listings, people are going to continually just want better deals than what's listed in the book. And that would continually drive down the value of, the, of cards. And if, if that keeps going and Beckett, say, produces the results of those, those sales that are less than the last month's Beckett, then those values will continue to decode, go down. And that's why I think it's important for Beckett not to do that and to continue to uh, producing its publication as it's been producing its publication. This is just a thought I had some years ago. I've just been thinking about it. Um, the value of print price guides. And the value also of eBay completed sold listings. They can work hand in hand. They can work together, I think. I guess it made this, you know, also too, I've been a, and Beckett Media Advocate since I was very young. So I support the company and what they're doing. I've always been an advocate because of, it, it takes me back to when I was younger, always having the magazine next to me and memorizing the prices and the up and down arrows month to month and seeing what my collection's worth. So I always really appreciate that. Whenever I'm at a bookstore, Barnes & Noble, I go to the magazine section and have a look at the latest example, latest, latest magazine and flip through it and see the articles and I just really appreciate the publication. It it's different. It, its value to the the community is different than it once was, but that's just the sign of the times where we are as a as a market. And if anybody from Beckett's listening, I appreciate it and thank you for tuning in. And if anybody else uh in the community is listening, I really appreciate you too. Thank you for tuning in. Um, I hope that you found this to be somewhat enlightening.
and somewhat educational. And I think it's important for us to make good financial decisions when we're in the hobby. Um, try to avoid overpaying, avoid getting ripped off, avoid uh, what might seem like Ill illegitimate selling practices, uh, look for scrupulous buy sellers, uh, look for scrupulous buyers. Do your research when you're looking into buying something. You know, look, look at what something has sold for previously if you can. If it's a one-of-one, one, I get why that's going to be hard to do. Uh, but just, you know, have, have some forethought about it, you know. Think about it. Say, well, the bin price on this is ex exceedingly high. It's exceptionally high. You know, I, do I need to pay that much for this? I mean, there's, there might be another super fractor from a different release I could get, maybe for a lot less than this. Maybe I should just be patient and wait. Wait for an auction-style listing. Starts at 99 cents and just ride it out. Try to just put some care into how you're buying stuff for your collection. Car, new cards or whatever new additions you're adding. And I think that you'll find that you'll be happier with that. And, you know, when you're buying, just think about how you can research and... Uh, Educate yourself on what something's worth ahead of time. So you can arm yourself with the knowledge you need to make an educated purchasing decision. So I'll leave you with that. Thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in to Radicards.com. And until next time, enjoy collecting. If you like this content, please subscribe. Thank you. Enjoy collecting.